You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaise Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practice, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. On this episode, we are so excited to invite Dr. Amit Gasalia from West Valley Hearing Center all the way in Los Angeles, California. Dr. Gasalia, welcome to Hearing Matters Podcast. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. You and I have been connected for a few years now, uh, Amit, and I have to say you are without a doubt one of the top thought leaders in the field of audiology. Well, I appreciate that. I just do what I can to help educate as many people as I can and help everybody grow. And Dr. Gasalia, speaking of educating and helping individuals grow, it is currently Better Hearing and Speech Month. This is probably our favorite month. It is an entire month dedicated to hearing healthcare, to speech language pathology. This is incredible. And during this episode, we are going to talk about, you know, what is audiology? Who are audiologists? So Dr. Mikasali, without further introduction, what is audiology? Hey, that's a great question. And I think the funny thing about audiology is people think audiology is the science of audio, or people think it's the science of the automaker Audi, but it's actually neither. Audiology is the science of hearing and balance. And audiology is a fairly new profession in the medical or healthcare space. It actually started back after World War II when a lot of our veterans were returning home with noise-induced hearing loss and nobody knew what to do about it. So the government actually established programs to help these men and service women who had these issues on diagnosing and trying to treat the issues. So audiology was born at that time. Dr. Mikasalia, thank you so much for that incredible definition. You know, during graduate school, when my professor taught us that, you know, audiology really was introduced after World War II, we just couldn't believe it. It was like, it is that new of a field. Now, Dr. Gasalia, when we talk about studying to become an audiologist, what are the educational requirements to become an audiologist? And that's another great question. So to touch on what you mentioned, yes, audiology is fairly new, as I mentioned. But of course, throughout history, we've always had these hands. You could put your hand up to your ear and you've just increased the volume a little bit. So audiology itself, even though it's a term and a profession, even though it's very new, the science of hearing and balance has been around for a very, very long time. The good news is that eventually we standardize this process. We standardize the educational requirements. For many, many years, it was a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. However, after 2012, they made some very radical changes. So to be an audiologist currently in the United States, you have to go through a bachelor's degree, which generally is a four-year program. And then after your bachelor's degree, you would apply, or maybe during your bachelor's degree, you would apply to what's called an audiology program. So we call the designation AUD, that's a capital A, lowercase u, capital D. For folks that have ever seen behind Blaze's head, there's actually a certificate on the wall. That's a degree up there for an audiology doctoral degree. So the doctoral degree in most programs is a four-year program. So that means, remember, we've gone through a four-year bachelor's degree, and now you're going through a four-year doctoral degree. 
Now, three of those years, you're actually at school. You're doing a lot of rotations or internships or externships. And then the final year, we call that our residency year or fellowship year or, in general, our fourth year. Now, I said most of the programs are four-year programs. There are some accelerated three-year programs, and they really cruise through those programs, the first two years being more the didactic theory-based knowledge. And the final year is really the fellowship or the quote-unquote third year. So we see a variety of students that come through our offices that are in the four-year program or the three-year program. Based on their levels, we try to train them hands-on and they get their theory-based knowledge from their schools. That is a rigorous and extensive journey, Dr. Mikasalia, to earn a doctorate of audiology, really is. And when we talk about when these students graduate and you have licensure and if someone graduates in New Jersey, can they dispense hearing aids right away? What are some of the licensure requirements by states with regard to the field of audiology? Yeah, so this becomes a little difficult because audiology has a lot of subspecialties. Just like in medicine, you can have a pediatrician, you can have an OBGYN, you can have a neurosurgeon, but in audiology, we actually also have subspecialties. We have audiologists who are focusing strictly on pediatrics, so pediatric audiologists. We have folks that specifically focus on balance disorders or the vestibular system. We have folks that specialize in tinnitus, which is the ringing in our ears, or misophonia, which is a sensitivity to certain sounds or I should say an insensitivity to certain sounds. We have industrial audiology. We have so many of these subsections. Probably one of the more common subspecialties of audiology is going to be on the hearing diagnostics and hearing treatment. So when we look at the diagnostic side, of course, when somebody complains of having a hearing loss, we go through our processes to find out why do they have this hearing loss, how severe is it, where is the issue coming from, and what do we need to do to fix this issue? Is it something that can be treated medically, or is there something else that we need to do, like hearing aids? When we get into the topic of hearing aids, most states have regulations that we have to have a license to dispense hearing aids. Now, that license to dispense hearing aids, that can be a medical professional, like a physician, it can be an audiologist like us, but there's also a group that are hearing instrument salesmen, and they are also educated and licensed to sell hearing instruments. So every state has their own separate rules. In California, we have one of the strictest rule sets for audiologists and hearing aid dispensers or hearing instrument specialists. Likewise, New York State is also very strict as well. You have some states that are extremely loose where almost anybody can go out and sell a hearing aid, which the reality is this is a medical device. Yes. You would never want someone to sell you a pacemaker if they aren't trained or educated in cardiology, for example. Naturally, a pacemaker is a surgically implanted device. A hearing aid is not. But there's so much more involved. And that's why these state agencies have to be so strict about what we are allowed to do to help our patients because there's too many fly-by-night places and unfortunately, there's a lot of unscrupulous people who are out there just selling hearing aids, and then they leave town. So the state agencies are working very hard to make sure that they keep all of us not only in check and making sure we're following up with our continuing education, but 
to make sure that even just the baseline foundation that everyone is following the rules. Now, currently, I hope you don't mind, I'll I'll go into this. There's actually what's called the interstate compact that's going on right now. We are actually talking with the government regulators to allow audiologists from another state and speech language pathologists to be able to work on patients in another state. So, of course, during the pandemic of 2020, thank God that's behind us, not 100%, but we're getting there. The idea was that we would work with our patients while they were at home remotely. Well, if that patient was in Arizona and I'm in California, am I allowed to log into their systems even though they're in a different state? Well, in theory, some of the states would probably say, no, you can't. And some states would say, yes, you can. Well, hopefully this interstate compact will help take care of that loophole. I think that is a, absolutely an incredible initiative, Dr. Gasalia. And I just want to go in reverse a little bit to piggyback off what you said. The fact that a hearing aid is absolutely a medical device and being that it is Better Hearing and Speech Month, it is so important to visit an audiologist or hearing healthcare professional to be fit with a hearing instrument. It is so important because there could be other underlying conditions that need to be ruled out, such as possibly middle ear effusion or, God forbid, an acoustic neuroma. Correct, Dr. Gasalia? Absolutely, 100% correct. There's too many devices that you can buy online. You can call these companies, they'll mail them to you. You don't even have to submit a hearing test. Can you imagine talking to a physician over the phone and you say, I'm sick, and they send you medicine? What are they going to send you? Right. How do they know what to send you? They don't. And the reality is it's the same thing with these companies. They send these devices out and the dissatisfaction rating is so high. Mm -hmm. And the downfall of this you know, there's probably two schools of thought here. I know there's a big group that think, well, this is a great gateway for people to try something. And then they realize, oh, this is so bad. I should now go to a doctor or a professional to get properly fitted hearing aids. But there's also the other side of the coin that some people may decide to try this route and realize, well, this is as good as it's going to get. What is a regular or a good hearing aid going to do that this piece of junk, if you will, doesn't do, right? So you have some of those folks who will stop right there. And the issue is that this lack of stimulation is detrimental. It's not only at the ear level. You know, I tell my students when I'm teaching and I tell our patients, as much as you think I'm focusing on your ears, I'm really focusing on what's between your ears and what is the brain doing when we are hearing sounds and listening to signals? Well, we're stimulating that part of our brain. And if we're not stimulating that part of our brain, well, what happens? That area can slowly start to, you know, I'll use the term die off. I'm not saying that your brain will die if you don't get hearing aids. But what I'm saying is that those areas can really have deficits where we can't go back and reverse it. Correct. And the importance of that brain hearing, right, Dr. Gasalia? We don't necessarily hear with our ears, we hear with our brain. Sure, you know, the ear canal and middle ear space and the cochlea, that's all really important, but those are essentially conduits to introducing an entire world of sound to the patient. So, of course, at West Valley Hearing Center, Dr. Gasalia is focusing on the patient's brain hearing, the importance of decreasing listening effort and increasing overall speech understanding and intelligibility. Dr. Gasalia, when we talk about encompassing a patient-centric model, the whole patient care model and working with other medical specialties, 
what do we mean by this? What does this look like? You know, the bottom line is that we are here for our patients. So my nine to five job, if you will, I never started nine, I never ended five. However, my <laughs> nine to five job is working directly with the person who's in front of me. Sure. If I can't meet their needs and I can't help them, you know, in this example, hear better. If I can't help my patient hear better based on what they've told me, then what's the point of doing this? I look at the patient as being in the driver's seat or in the passenger seat and one of us is driving. If the patient's driving, I'm in the passenger seat. I'm going to be the one nagging to take a left turn here, slow down, do all these things. And vice versa, if I'm the one driving, I have to make sure that I've met the needs of the passenger. So the reality is when we talk about patient-centric, absolutely, the patient is the front focus. My time with that patient, whether it's five minutes or one hour, is specifically dedicated to that patient. I don't think about anything else. And most of my patients understand that when they come in, they know that I am 100% there for them. We get along with just about every patient and we have these nice casual conversations because the reality is that, of course, we're all human beings and we all want to do better. So for me, and this always sounds funny when I tell patients and when I teach my students again, is I don't want patients to be unhappy. That has nothing to do with my ego. What it really has to do is I enjoy what I do and I enjoy coming into my office every day. And if a patient's going to come in and they're mad or they're angry or they're upset, well, that creates kind of a negative space. And I don't want to hear that. And I say that with all due respect and love to my patients. But that's why I actually focus very hard to make sure that I'm doing the right things, following best practices, doing whatever's necessary to make sure that we've met all of the goals that we were trying to achieve. And that's, to me, what patient-centric really means. And that is the difference. And Dr. Gasalia, that is why you and your team have such incredible patient outcomes, because you're focusing on the patient. You are there, you are listening so they can hear and understand speech, whether it be in quiet and or in noisy situations. And that patient-centric model, being that it is Better Hearing and Speech Month, it is important to be present with your patient and to listen to them. Because how often, Dr. Gasalia, when you listen to your patients and you encompass that patient-centric model, they're going to tell you a lot about what they're experiencing, and it's going to allow you to make the fine-tuned adjustments that need to be made. Correct. And you know, as I mentioned earlier, I have students that rotate in my office. So there's audiology programs around the country. We get students from all over the country, which is good and bad, I guess. That's awesome. The, the reality, it is awesome. But I always want to make sure that if somebody's coming from the East Coast, that they're making the right decision because there are fantastic doctors on the East Coast who sure. can also help them. But I'm very honored when they do choose to come here. The bottom line is I get to see how some of our students when they are listening or quote-unquote listening to the patient, I'm watching their body language and I'm really hearing what they're trying to say back to the patient in terms of a response. And what I call, and I think this is the correct term, active listening, meaning being really engaged with the patient, is a skill that all of my students eventually learn. But I can tell you, we always talk about imposter syndrome. I always go through this where I think, gosh, my job is so easy. Am I doing something wrong. Well, the reality is that over so many years of doing it, I've created these tools and these ways to listen properly to our patients. So when they're talking about one topic, I'm just not planning to give the next question because it's on my checklist. I'm really focusing on that question or that answer that they just told me and going off of that. So we had a patient, in fact, just yesterday, my student was here and the patient started talking about how when he was younger, they used to make bombs for Vietnam. 
meaning for the military. So he was in a factory. Well, she heard him say that, but she didn't ask the next question, which was, and how loud was the environment? Because we don't know if he was just putting wires together. Mm. It could have been a very quiet environment. Or were you actually in the metal fabrication area where it's a lot of noise? Right. And sure enough, he was not in the noisy areas because I had asked the question later on. He was actually the accountant in the making bombs for Vietnam. Okay. So the reality is that his hearing loss most likely was not due to noise, but she had pigeonholed him into a noise-induced hearing loss. So exactly what you're saying, that active listening, really paying attention and following up with the patients if they say something, and then making the adjustments. You know, when we talk about hearing aids, if they're telling us one thing, really identifying what that really means. You know, if they say these aren't working, well, what's not working? Oh, they just don't fit. Well, that's not not working. That's just not fitting. So really identifying and asking the follow-up questions to the patients so that we make the right decision. Back to the example, if you tell your physician, I'm sick, they're not going to just say, oh, okay, let's get you cured. They're going to ask you questions. (laughs) Right, exactly. What are you noticing? Are you coughing? Do you have fevers? Do you have Mm -hmm. chills? So they're going to ask you these questions. So that's where that active engagement, active listening comes into play. And it's extremely successful because not only is it our job as doctors to do that, but it makes the patient feel like, hey, this person is listening to me and they're really showing that they care. And to dovetail off that, Dr. Gasalia, it sounds like you grew up you had a father that was in the medical field, and you personally practice empathy. Being a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, you implement empathy. And that is so important because when you are listening to your patients, they feel that you are present with them and they are the only individual you are focused on. Now, Dr. Gasalia, we are celebrating Better Hearing and Speech Month. We are so excited because we are recording a mini-series with you, Dr. Mick Gasalia from West Valley Hearing Center in Los Angeles, California. And here's the big question. Where should people turn to with hearing loss or balance issues? Because audiologists also work with individuals who present with balance issues. In the month of May, as you mentioned, we actually celebrate Better Hearing Month or Better Hearing and Speech Month. It's two different events going on in the same (laughs) month, but both are related. So I always promote the Better Hearing Month being an audiologist and really focused on the hearing aspect. But the first thing that I think everyone needs to realize is when you have a hearing issue, you should always bring it up with your medical care provider. If you're at your primary care physician's office and you're there for a physical or you're there for an appointment, if you're really noticing it, you really should bring that up. However, if that option is not available, audiologists and hearing care professionals are the next step. So when it comes to hearing, we actually would focus on that type of system where you can go for the most part, okay, I know there's some legalities, but for the most part, you can go directly to an audiologist, make an appointment. If you go to an ear, nose, and throat physician, which is also fine, you'll go in and they'll say, okay, let's get you to an audiologist to get your hearing tested. Because like we mentioned earlier, the ear, nose, and throat physician wants the data. They need to see, do I have to do something medically to take care of this hearing issue? Or can they be treated at the audiologist's office? So I know most people will say, well, go to the ear, nose, and throat first. I'm going to say something different. Go to the audiologist first and see if you even need to go to the ear, nose, and throat. Because the reality is most of our patients that we see, if they need to go to ear, nose, and throat, we are very happy to make that referral because of patient care, right? We always use the phrase in my office, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is that I can sit here and act like I'm the ear, nose, and throat, even though I'm not, and I don't know as much as they do about the medical side of the ears, nose, and throat. 
However, we are trained and educated to know when to make that referral. Yes. When it comes to balance, almost identical answer here. There are some audiologists who really focus on balance disorders. Currently, I know that I am actually looking at jumping into this little world of balance disorders. However, in the meantime, if somebody came to me directly and said, you know what, I'm very dizzy, I'm going to say, we need to send you to an audiologist who is an expert in this area. I can give you high-level information, but you know what? I am not the best solution for you. And I think that humbleness and that ability to know your limits and not waste the patient's time, and honestly, not wasting my time because my time is valuable as well. We're super busy. So the idea is that when somebody calls in and says, hey, I've got vertigo, well, you know, before you come here, which you probably shouldn't come here, let's refer you to somebody else. And there's about three or four clinics here in Los Angeles that we'd refer them to. Because the reality is that, you know, for Better Hearing Month and Better Hearing Speech Month, we focus on the hearing, but the balance side of it usually doesn't get as much attention. Yes. And that's also part of audiology. Dr. Amit Gasalia, thank you so much for sharing who audiologists are, how you get into the field of audiology, the educational requirements, and really the roles and responsibilities and what is under the scope of practice with regard to the field of audiology. You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaise Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs. On this episode, we had Dr. Amit Gasalia from West Valley Hearing Centers all the way in Los Angeles, California. Tune in next week because Dr. Amit Gasalia is going to be joining us again on the Hearing Matters podcast and we'll be discussing the expectations of amplification. Until next time, hear life story. Thanks again for tuning in to the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode, and what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also, head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life story.